What is the role of the Black church in America today? I know for many of you, this issue has been the topic of many conversations in beauty and barbershops, community organizations, college campuses, at family gatherings, and yes, within the Black church. I must admit, I was quite surprised about the answer I received from today's guest, Nick Talia Farrell. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. Nick is a program host at Word Radio, minister, vocalist, and journalist based in Philadelphia. He has an interesting perspective, and he and he backs up his argument with biblical texts. I cannot wait to get your feedback on his ideas in our discussion. Enjoy our conversation, and make sure you subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate your continued support. Hello, I have Nick Talifiero here uh, this morning, and wow. I am so excited to have you here, Pastor. Well, I mean, the, the way, oh, call me Pastor. The, the way you say my name, it makes me feel that I might be a man of real value and pers- perspicacity there, Pastor Nick Talifiero, I tell you. Yeah, it's good to see you, Dr. Ramona. It's good to see you. I uh, have really enjoyed being on your radio show, Word Radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really uh, enjoy hearing your perspectives about a variety of issues. And I'm so happy that you would join me on the Empowerment Zone and be my guest. It's a real privilege. A little turnabout is absolute fair play. And uh, <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to this. Well, um, you know, can you... I know you're a pastor, a radio host, a community leader. Can you tell me a little bit about your evolution and how you evolved to become all of these things for the community of Philadelphia? Interesting question. I mean, because the only thing I ever thought I would do was was pastor. When I went away to school at 17, uh, I thought the only thing I would ever do was pastor a church. I never wanted to be a radio evangelist or... Uh, I, I never wanted to be anything except a pastor. And uh, after 16 years in, in the pastorate and, and, four, and four building programs, I burned out. I flamed out. And the next thing I knew, I was doing a radio program. Uh, I went into broadcasting and launched my career in radio and did that for six years. And then another management company bought the radio station and I was out of a job and and uh, the mayor of the city of Philadelphia called and said, I'd like for you to lead our faith-based initiatives program, which was just rolling off the press. It was it was hot right around two th- 2000. Uh, George Bush was president and and the faith community was starting to launch itself uh, very actively into the political atmosphere. And so I became the city of Philadelphia's executive director of faith-based initiatives. And and I became the de facto chair of the U.S. Council Conference of Mayors, Faith-Based Initiatives, and Ex-Offender Reintegration Program, which led me into really high government. And from there, I went to become the executive director of the Commission on Human Relations. In the meantime, I got involved in gospel music as a, a recording 
a voice and artist along with a couple of groups. And then I left there and began to work for prisons and then an educational system, went back to radio, went back to pastoring. And so it's, it's an ongoing melange of activities all uh, circling around the same thing, which is the betterment of, of people where they are with the tools and the resources at our disposal, whether it's in the pool from the pulpit or from the government uh, perspective or from the broadcast perspective. It's all the same thing from different perspectives. Yeah, so you have a really wide ranging perspective of how to address uh, challenges that face the community, you know, looking at it from a governmental perspective, from mm -hmm. a pastor, from a community leader. And so uh, with you being a pastor and uh, today our topic we're going to cover is the role, relevance and future of the urban black church. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious what you see as where the black church needs to go, especially when you look at how younger generations are kind of leaving the black church and how you see this growth of this prosperity ministry without uh, necessarily dealing with uh, the issues of the day. Um, I'm just very curious about what, what you see uh, going on mm. in the black church. I, I appreciate the question and it, it, it makes me want to study it even deeper just by considering it. The, the, the black church has always, uh, you know, we, when you speak of the black church, you typically are talking about churches that are the center and focus of black communities, whether they're urban or rural. But, but when you really talk about the black church, you typically are talking about urban churches that have factored into the movement that led black people uh, toward the center of American culture, your Ebenezer Baptist in Atlanta, your uh, your, your Concord Baptist in New York and um, other churches like that. At one point, they were the source of identity and empowerment for Black people. People went to church for the purpose of uh, establishing and, and um, safeguarding their identity. It was, it was the place where we could be who we were without without shame or assault, at least we thought, which is why when, when they blew up that church in Birmingham in Martin Luther King's day, it was such an assault on the, the sensitivities and sensibilities of black people because that was sacred, you know? That's why so much of the civil rights movement took place in churches, it was sacred. And black people went to the church. It didn't matter where you lived. I mean, when uh, integration began to move in and black people could live wherever they wanted to, they would drive back to their old neighborhood to go to church to get their identity and their potato salad and their fried chicken, you see. And so, but that's no longer true. As a matter of fact, it is the very opposite now. People, black churches are no longer the center of, of the life of black people. And, and that's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but um, now only four, um, I mean, four in 10 black people attend a non-black congregation and 60% of black people say that when it comes to finding a church, the race is not important. I mean, so it is no longer the identity center of the community. And, but not only that, black people used to come back to identify with the struggle. Now black people are leaving the city. They will drive by the urban black church to go out to the suburbs where they can find a parking lot 
uh, and and where they can have greater amenities for their children, they will drive by the church <clears throat> because church used to be a return to identity and struggle. Now church is an escape from the rigors of struggle. And so uh, in the old days, churches would be identified by biblical struggle names, you know, Mount Zion, uh, Ebenezer mm-hmm. and all. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, churches are, are the names are are underscoring ambitions and aspirations you know higher calling a greater growth you know uh upper <laughs> you know uh, uh higher ground and things that that talk about what i'm aspiring towards uh, one of my good friends has a church here in philadelphia and 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 the church if you saw it you wouldn't even think church you know it was you know it's a church that talks about higher ideals and things like that and so people, the church is changing. It is no longer where people go for identity reinforcement and support. It is no longer where people go to identify with struggle. It's where people go to escape the struggle, to, to look for respite. And so the question now becomes, what role will it play in our community, in, in our culture? You know, when you look at the, you say you don't look at it as a, a problem um, in terms of the changes going on in the black church I'm it can be problematic it can be but it is not necessarily a problem because the church from a, a strictly theological perspective the church was not called into existence to become a social services mitochondria for a community the church is called into existence to be the the expression of the principles and the ethics of the kingdom of god on earth to prepare this world for the return of of a king and of a God who is otherworldly, as it were. So it wasn't called into existence for that. But as communities may exhibit principles that are opposed to the kingdom of God, like discrimination and bigotry and prejudice, then the church must speak to it, which is how the black church became what it became. As long as the church is speaking truth to power, and that power doesn't have to be white folks, it doesn't have to be bigots and prejudice, I mean, look, the, the church needs to speak the truth to to the power of, for example, right now there's evil power in our communities where a lot of young black men are picking up guns as a distorted way of claiming power and the murder rate is going out of control. The church needs to speak to that power. And so as long as we are, are fulfilling that role, we don't have to become, I mean, the reason why the church became the central source in the black community is because nothing else was allowed to. We didn't have black banks. We didn't have we didn't have black law firms. We we didn't have black. The church started colleges because we didn't have colleges, and the church started insurance companies because we didn't have them. Now we do. We have black civic and social organizations, um, and and so the church doesn't have to take on the role that it once took on. I, I see. I see that. <laughs> I'm I'm totally I totally want to push back on you on that. Um, Wait a little, that, okay. that would not be the first time. Because <laughs> I do see uh, the church as um, a tool for advancing social justice, and that should I believe that should be one of its purposes. Because when you look at, if you want to take Jesus for example, or you can go to the Old Testament, it, it Testament. It was all about, to me, bringing justice on earth, you know, and and creating good on earth. And it is. to me, the church 
now, or at least the black church now, does not seem to be fulfilling that role, in my opinion, because of the uh, the, the need to be what yeah, yeah yeah they they want to be comfortable it's uncomfortable to 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 challenge power right it and is. it is and it's easier to talk about prosperity you know and it you know well i mean i i hear me well i am not saying that you don't do that i'm simply saying that the church does not have to be the center of it any longer I mean, when you have, you have an NAACP, you have an urban league, you have a Black Lives Matter movement. What the church does now is it supports those movements. It doesn't have to be the center of these things any longer. There was a time where you had to because nothing else existed. The church had to be the place where you started uh, a, a savings and loan or a credit union because there was nothing else. But now you can support other things. We have black lawyers, we have black accountants, we have black doctors, we, we, we have black engineers. And so the church doesn't have to assume that role, but it does have to speak truth to, to, to evil and to powers that are aligned against that which is in accordance with the principles of the kingdom that is yet to come. So yeah, you have to, you have to decry injustice when you see it, but you don't have to become you don't have to take the place of Black Lives Matter. You don't. You don't have to take the. In Georgia, you have the the Georgia Project, uh, the election, the the political power. That we don't. You know, the church doesn't have to assume that role. You you support individuals who are working within that community. You know, I mean, that's that the role of the church is to to exemplify the the spiritual ethics and principles of the kingdom which is to come in the midst of a kingdom that is not always in agreement with them and to cry aloud and spare not when those principles clash one with the other. So the church cries out and says, discrimination is wrong. The church cries out and says that, uh, that, that uh, economics are lopsided when you can spend a million dollars on a missile, but you can't feed children that you forced people to give birth to. You have to speak out on those things. You know, but you don't have to form and your, your organization doesn't have to exist to do them. And in the old days, it did have to exist to do them because there was nothing else. Now it's changed. Now there now there are other entities in place. We have we have law firms, you know, shoot. So so when you look at all the other institutions that exist, to your point, what do you see as the role of the urban black church now? Uh, if, if, if it's not about social justice, what is it about? I didn't say it wasn't about social justice. I said, it doesn't have to take on the central role of doing it. What the church is about is forming communities where individuals can be built up and fortified on those principles and those ethics and those values that undergird good social justice, good economic justice, good environmental justice. It's it's if churches you know would would focus on that building up people, and and nurturing people in in relationship uh, context. That's what a church is. It's a community that uh, of people in relationship and and the word typically used spiritually is covenant, covenant relationship with one another. And we remind each other of justice. And we remind each other of the principles and ethics of of taking care of the environment and all. And you build up the people and then you send them out. 
Hmm. And they work with uh, the NAACP and they work with uh, the Georgia Project and they work with uh, 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 the Urban League and so forth. And, and then the church does its spiritual work of fortifying these individuals. Yeah. So how can the church do that when you see this, as you spoke of, this, this exodus from the Black church, particularly in the urban centers and among younger people? Um, and, and, yeah, and that's what I meant by it's not all bad. I mean, you know, people... What people are getting away from now is the trappings of church. They're getting away from churchianity, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, where you know a church where you've got to have the show uh, if you get my drift. Um, and they're looking more towards community and covenant and relationship. And, and so that's what I mean by it's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily good. It's it's according to how you look at it and what you do with it. Um, what I'm saying now is that the church is no longer at the center of urban life. It, it, it's, it isn't. I mean, younger people in particular, 60% um, of, of church members say that churches need to diversify, you know, and, and so it, it is the, whether we like it or not. And then the pandemic came where people became members of bedside Baptists. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And they 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 realized that they could they could fellowship in their pajamas and fluffy slippers, and I don't know how many of those people are coming back, mm. you know. And and so now we have to figure out other ways to make disciples, and to send those disciples into the world to do good, um, and and that's that's getting us away from the show, you know, where you go to church and then there's a certain. I mean, people actually believe that. 11 o'clock on Sunday, or in my, in my case, on a Saturday, is holy. They think that's a holier time. There's nothing holy about that time. It's just time people choose to worship. And a lot of churches now are worshiping at different times. They're getting away from religion, and they're looking for, for, for a spiritual journey, um, some realities that will allow them to, to grow. And but the problem is nowadays people are conflating spirituality with successful terrestrial life. And that is if I really, if I really love God and God really loves me, I'm going to get uh, a Bentley. And if I really love God and God really loves me, then I will not only have a nice house, but I'll have a summer cottage too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so people are starting to perceive it that way. So, how can we make, I'm saying we, how can the church become more relevant to today's society? What, what do you see as the direction, the future of the black church? To, to first of all, to get back in its lane, you know, mm. to, to realize that we had to become um, urban developers. We, we, we had to become financial institutions to seed um, uh, grow, you, you know, financial and economic stability for our community because nobody else would do it. But we don't have to do that anymore. We can get back in our lane, which has become the spiritual community that that articulates, enunciates, and promulgates the ethics and values of what it means to be a part of the kingdom. 
you know, I mean, the, basically the idea of, of a church is to, you know, you pray that prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Our idea is to exemplify and and to to actualize the tenets of the kingdom until it until it comes. When people come into your church, they should be able to get a glimpse of what heaven looks like. Hmm. Which means when people make a mistake, somebody forgives them. When people fall, somebody helps them up. That's what a church is supposed to be, to get back to that. Um and 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 in doing so, to to fortify and build up people who are better equipped to do the work of working within the NAACP and Black Lives Matter and and Urban League and, and other groups uh, to get back into our lane and, and to realize that that is our task to create covenant communities that so exemplify the, the tenets and the ethics of the kingdom that when people walk out of our church doors, that whatever organization they join immediately becomes better. I'm just flabbergasted because I did I did not think you were going to take that approach, uh, but it makes sense. Uh, your perspective in argument makes sense. Well, you know, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who have never heard Dr. <laughs> Ramona on my show, I want you to know <laughs> that now I'm flabbergasted because normally, <laughs> you know, I will be honest with you, I, I, in talking with other ministers, um, I, I, I get the same pushback. I mean, you know, take note, the, the white church in America does not, didn't take on the role of becoming the, uh, the nexus and mitochondrion of the community. You know, nobody went to the white church and the white community and said, hey, look, uh, we need you to stand up for our students and such. They went to the Rotary Club or the Knights of Columbus or something, they, or they went to the, the credit union or the bank. or the, the white church didn't take on that role. It took on that role in the black community because it had to. Right. Well, we have a different experience. We have a different experience. It had to. But it's, it, it, we didn't take on that role because somewhere is written in the book of Thessalonians, thou mm. shalt become a credit union. Mm. You know, yea, verily, thou must become the NAACP. We, we took on that role because we had to. Uh, but, you know, the church is called upon in, in the book of Matthew, you know, to to be that institution that stands up against the gates of hell, takes charge and replicates the kingdom so that those things that are a part of our culture and our world that are opposed to those things that are part of the culture of the kingdom that is yet to come do not do so without our lusty vociferous protest yeah. and and the, the other things i mean you know pastors used to have to be they, they they would be the president of the credit union they would start an insurance company they'd start the college and they would be the chairman of this board and that because that we would first of all it used to be that they were only educated people in the community well the last church i pastored there were a bunch of people more educated than I was. There was no topic in that church beyond theology where I was the de facto authority, hmm. you know? And so, so church should step back into it. That's what I meant by it's not necessarily bad. Now there are places where the church still has to take on the, the, the role of the omnibus. They have to do a little bit of everything because there's nothing else. But, you know, in larger cities like Atlanta and Philly and New York and Chicago, 
there are all sorts of institutions out there that exist that can do the work and the church can do the part of building up the people to make those institutions run and fly. I'm a big advocate for higher education and I know you are too. And so we've reached our um, portion in our interview where we talk about strategies for college success. Mm -hmm. So could you tell me what college or colleges did you attend? What were your major, what was your major or majors and degrees? And then what strategy would you give to ensure that students are successful in college? I'm a proud graduate of the HBCU in Huntsville, Alabama, known as Oakwood University. Uh, graduating there with honors uh, um, in theology and communication. And then I attended grad school at Andrews University in Varian Springs, Michigan, and completed my MDiv coursework in 1980. Um, <clears throat> I am um, colleges, you know, nowadays, especially as we have become, as distance learning is becoming more normalized. You remember, Back when you were in school, and Lord knows back when I was in school, you went to class and you sat there. Nowadays, you know, a, a larger number of people are starting to take distance learning. Uh, colleges are, are no longer places where people necessarily become a part of college cultural life. And, and so I, I think things you used to catch in college now have to be taught. I believe that what we have to really reemphasize in college are those skills, we used to call them soft skills, <clears throat> how to build relationships and so forth. I believe that colleges need, need to start leaning heavily in the direction of making soft skills, necessary human skills, um, courses on how to uh, do conflict resolution in relationships. And uh, we used to call it civics and social studies. You don't have that anymore. and you know, I may never use algebra, but God knows I'm going to have to learn how to live with people. And, and colleges need to make that core curriculum for their students. You know, how do you live with, get along with, work within the construct of human relationships in the civic community in which you're placed? Uh, I think that that needs to be something that is at the forefront of, of college education and curriculum. So colleges, uh, according to Nick Taliaferro, you need mm -hmm. to develop um, some core curriculum that deals with uh, developing soft skills in students. For students, uh, make sure that you um, develop those soft skills such as conflict resolution, how do you build relationships, because those will be valuable to you as you pursue your professional careers. And they're also very valuable to you personally. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're absolutely welcome, and thank you for the privilege. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone. Terry Gully, theme song, NADWorks, digital support, and, of course, our featured guest. 